Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle Nelson. I have my wonderful co-host here, Mr. Eli Libby. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. It's good, man. Today's a good day. It is a good Very day. productive day. It is. I love it. It's I'm good in the office. It's good in the office, you know. Loving the day so far. Um, our studio, mm-hmm. I don't Listeners don't know this. Our studio is in our office that we do for a living. Yes. It's actually just an office that we use just for our studio, mm-hmm. our, our podcast studio. Mm-hmm. So we go in here. Exactly. Come in do, up our, and, do our yeah. biz bros and then we get back to work. Exactly. Anyways, and I know people probably see the window, the background. Mm-hmm. Those are employees typically walking by. Sometimes they wave and smile. Anyhow, we're really excited. We have an awesome guest today. Um, we're really going to dive into A-B testing and a few other cool things. But first... We want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Altitude Everything Latte. Amazing. We got CBD, oat milk, some superfoods, including turmeric, cordyceps, lion's mane, reishi, chaga mushrooms. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's going to get you moving. Open. Let's do it. Let's crack it open. I'm going to crack this bad boy open and then. Room um, temperature. Probably got cold ones. I mean, it's still good. Awesome. We will roll that Such intro. Such good stuff. Let's roll the intro. It's perfect. That was awesome. And then you want to do this rose one, so we'll have it. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I got it, I got it. Yeah. Take two. Okay, ready. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Pros Podcast. My name's Kyle Nelson. I've got my great co-host and good friend here, Mr. Eli Lynn. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. It's beautiful the episode, man. Absolutely. Really Wait. excited for this episode. We've got a great yep. Absolutely. Number two, clear, simple Why? images. Amazon summer. The first thing that I follow about this article is really looking for that initial presence. You need to be thinking about product photography and video production. All right, today's guest, Oliver Palmer, is an experimentation practitioner and a conversion rate optimization consultant. He works with organizations to demystify, why am I talking that word? Oh, demystify (laughs) experimentation and the MarTech stack and better understand how to integrate with the bigger organizational picture. Oliver, we are super excited to talk about scaling A-B testing programs, but let's first get to know to you. What's up, Oliver? G'day, Kyle. Lovely to be here. And uh, hello, Eli. Yeah. Um, oh. Very nice to be with you guys this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so let's dive in a little bit on kind of like how you got involved with what you're doing today, how you got into conversion rate optimization. Um, there hasn't been, you know, a beginning story from that. What was the aha moment? Yeah. The aha moment for me was it was sort of circa 2008, 2009. And I was. Just sort of bumping around. I was in London in the UK working as a contractor doing different jobs in web production of all sorts. Pretty early on in my career, didn't really know where I was focusing yet. And Google had just released a tool called Google Website Optimizer. And that was really the first consumer grade free, it was definitely the first free consumer grade tool that allowed people to run A-B tests. Previously, if you wanted to run A-B tests, you had to be like, Amazon who'd baked it into their tech stack from the beginning. But from this point, like any idiot with a web browser could go in and, you know, punch in a bit of JavaScript and and run their own experiments. And I was working for a a big law firm, a a kind of a socialist law firm. Uh, It's a funny way to put it, but that's the UK. And um, a lot of the work they did was no win, no fee, um, class action suits for people that got, asbestos cancer, which is, is called oh, mesothelioma. Oh. 
And mesothelioma is this keyword that, or I only knew the word actually because it was famously then, I don't know if it still is now, but this was our most expensive keyword that you could buy on Google Ads. Wow. And this is, really? Yeah, I mean, back then it cost $100 a click or more. Like it's, Whoa, it's insane. It's yeah. I'm, I remember hearing on commercials, if you've yes. been a victim of mesothelioma, yeah, yep, it's, yep, like, that's right, it's right, like term. ingrained in my childhood, <laughs> to be honest. Yep. <laughs> right. Well, there's so much money in it because um, so the, the business model, I don't know how it works in the US, but for these guys, what they would do is they would you know, advertise for claimants via whatever outreach methods they had and um, build up a big class action suit. They would right. sue. Typically, they were suing the government. They were suing the British Navy, is where most people in the UK were exposed okay. to, to asbestos. And they would get a victory on behalf of their clients and give them all the money. And then they would sue again to recover all of their costs. So every photocopy cost 20 pounds, you know, whatever. Right. Mm. Um, and it was sort of a fait accompli that they could do that. And so because of that, they had these huge client acquisition costs, or maybe it wasn't such a big deal that they had big client acquisition costs, but I was working on a sort of network of different websites that they had, which were ostensibly kind of lead gen, I guess, although they wouldn't call it that, but, um, sites for people that wanted information about mesothelioma and, um, I thought, right, well, you know, they're spending whatever it is, 50, 100 pounds a click. What about if we could run some experiments on this and see if we could make that process from getting people from reading about mesothelioma to actually reaching out and signing up? What if we could remove any sort of UX friction along the way to make that easier? Because they were spending so much money on traffic, the mm -hmm. returns surely had to be pretty good. And as it was, I got really lucky, you know, in our first couple of experiments, we found that we like halved the cost of client acquisition, which set me up, you know, client, but which set me up with utterly unrealistic expectations for all future A-B testing, right. but certainly, <laughs> certainly captured my imagination. Wow. That's cool. It's like you stumbled cool onto this, uh, you found a, you found a need. Right. It's like mm -hmm. there's a need for this and you created the solution, but it just kind of happened. Yeah. It's really cool. That is cool. Man, what a story. Wow, that's cool. Just out of curiosity, what I mean, what it, what's like the return on some of these yeah. then? Like just gonna... hundred bucks like you know, acquisition. People making pretty good money here. I'm just curious. What do you mean? So the return in what sense? Mm -hmm. Uh no, just the return in the lawsuit. <laughs> oh god, who knows? I was completely divorced from that. No idea. So um, I'm I'm jealous of your lion's mane drinks you've got there from your sponsor. Uh, They're moving, man. Yeah, it is this good is phenomenal stuff. It really is. I uh, <laughs> we should have sent you one. Um, yeah, every it's... guest says we wish we had one of these. Uh, I totally yeah, because it's it's nine a.m. in the morning here. I what time is it with you guys? Are you gonna sleep? Yeah. It's like coming two in the uh, afternoon. Yeah, two in the afternoon. Oh, we won't okay. sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a full on revival transformation on the first set, man. I'll tell you. What. <laughs> uh, anyhow, man. So let's talk a little bit more about. I think every company struggles to scale A B testing. And in general, most companies aren't yep. even doing it. It's like they don't even yep. like understand how to do it or like what is that they're testing? The copy, the media, the the actual like ad copy versus like what they're hitting on the website a b testing that so let's talk a little bit about like why why are they struggling so much to scale with their testing programs yeah i mean i think as you mentioned there's there's a couple of problems there there's one is just people are struggling to get started 
Um, right. And so maybe let's put that aside for the moment mm -hmm. and talk about people that struggle with scaling because that's, that's more where my efforts are focused. And my feeling is there's a handful of reasons that typically come down to two things. There's two sort of umbrella concepts under which this all sits. One is cultural change necessary is really, really hard. And two is talent. There's just not a lot of talent in the market. There's not a lot right. of people that really understand this. It's not like you can go and do a, a three-year degree program and understand right. business experimentation. And that trickles all the way through. You know, you've got, there was an article in the Harvard Business Review recently that talked about just the, the dismal state of statistical literacy in, in business in America and, and, and by extension around the world. You know, experimentation and the accompanying statistics, that stuff just isn't taught in business right. school right now. And you get this unfortunate situation whereby oftentimes the people that really control the budgets and direct the strategy for big organizations that should be on top of this stuff are really some of the most clueless. <laughs> totally makes sense. I mean, it's obviously an educational pro program. Like the information's out there, but you kind of yeah. have to surf for it because it all really also comes down to like your industry, your category for an e-commerce, like whatever it is. Um, I think the point you bring up about the leaders and the, some of the top people in the uh, in the company, you said they're kind of clueless. Um, yeah. We've seen that huh. a lot in some of the stuff we do. We work with e-commerce brands um, and agencies, and we see that exact thing is like big, big company, especially for what we do, Oliver. And to fill you in on that, is it, it is e-commerce product photography, video production. So we are constantly pushing, and, and the people that come to us, they're using the imagery across different mediums. So marketing campaigns, listings, uh, split testing in our industry is absolutely and huge. And a lot of these, people, a lot of these industry leaders or people that are leading these different brands, they have no clue. They, have, clue. they have no clue about that. So I think what you're doing from an educational standpoint is, is really huge. So uh, when we're talking about the actual AB testing on, on your guys's end with conversions, are you focused more on like ad? split testing or like web like the actual like landing page is it like the whole the whole thing is like all of it together and you kind of just keep fine-tuning and turning it out or is it is it is it is it all general digital as well are you guys just really focused highly on that in terms of um marketing dollars does it also include sales on your end to drive traffic with your clients and i mean yeah, so like my work typically is with any organization whereby probably the CEO, the CMO, you know, whoever um, within the organization has gone to something like the, you know, Adobe Summit or, you know, equivalent <laughs> elsewhere. They've got really revved up around optimization, personalization. They've bought all the tooling. They've tried to hire a team, um, might have involved an agency. But six months down the track, they're just, they're just not getting the results that they uh, hoped for. Um, and sometimes that can be um, the whole end-to-end -end experience. Typically what I find is, you know, we talk about ad, uh, you know, ad copy and so on, ad creative. Normally that's really divorced from what happens within an organization. You know, yeah. even, even the biggest companies that want to in-house pretty much everything else, in my experience, typically um, outsource all their media buying and their ad stuff which is unfortunate because time and time again, I see, you know, I can see the fact that if you don't have a strong scent that continues from the ad through the landing page, through the experience, through the rest of the site, then conversion definitely suffers as a result of that. But yes. that's just a sort of structural condition that we're dealing with. Hmm. I, wow. God. 
No, go for it. I, I, so I'm just curious. You have a um, a client that comes to you. Let's say they're spending five, ten thousand bucks on ad spend a month. Do you typically, when it comes to A/B testing, are you splitting campaign like budgets with that currently, or do you usually need extra budget in order to kind of start that mm. testing, or are you kind of playing with their current campaigns and optimizing those more? So okay, to be clear, my, my work is really, for the most part, not focused on paid media. My oh, work God. is really is, is really more focused on what happens in terms of um, um, UX, um, ensuring that the site is, is easy to use, that it matches right. people's expectations and yeah. so on. But, but hmm. sometimes certainly it does encompass ad creative and it's the, the same principles apply. So, you know, these are the questions I get around, you know, is A-B testing appropriate for us? Do we have enough traffic to do it properly? Yeah. And, and the same principles apply um, with, with paid media because really what you're doing in any A-B test is you're trying to, um, when you're planning it, you want to look at a couple of factors. One is your baseline conversion rate, how much traffic you have, and the, the strength of the change that you're, you're looking to, to see. So what we sure. call the minimum detectable effect. So normally we'd say, unless it's going to be at least 5%, it's going to take forever to actually um, to detect any, any impact. Unless, of course, sometimes if you've got a high conversion rate, you need a smaller minimum right. detectable effect. Um, so it really depends on if you're spending say $10,000 a month on ads, depends, you know, what you're spending uh, per click, how many users you're getting through, how bad your ad creative is right now. If it's really bad and we can make it a lot better, then maybe we don't need to spend an awful lot more money on additional traffic mm -hmm. um, because there's such a delta between where it's at right now and where we get it to. But if you're already pretty good and we want to get a one, two, three, 4% uplift, um, then that will necessarily take a lot more traffic and you'd have to increase your spend. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. What are some, some common like checklist things in terms of UX that you're doing? Yeah. In terms of uh, things that you see work best in an A-B test. So is there a common kind of checklist? And then the evolution of that question is going to be, what are some psychological things that, that you see from uh, that, that, that work better than, than others? I have to say, I don't delve too much into the, into the psychology side of things. Mm. There, there's a lot of people that, that do, and they've sort of, you know, constructed these very elaborate psychometric frameworks of influence right, right. and so on. Um, it's not necessarily the space I deal in. I think there, there is a place for it. And you see, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the, the Robert Caldini book uh, about the principles of influence. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so you often... So, so you often see that stuff sort of come up, you know, for anyone who's, who's, who's not, you know, Caldini spent a lot of time, I think in the seventies, psych, uh, I think he's a professor of psychology. And he said that he was always, he said, I've always been a sucker. <laughs> and he wanted to work out why he could just get convinced into salespeople and other people mm -hmm. that were trying mm -hmm. to influence him to do things into doing things. So he spent a lot of time hanging around talking to used car salesmen and, and other very persuasive people and documented what he calls his principles of influence. And it's a brilliant book. And you can see these things crop up in, in uh, websites time and time again. So booking.com, for instance, they've got yeah. a really, really mature um, mm -hmm. A-B testing platform. They've, they've really integrated it into their business and they make it very easy for anyone within the business to deploy an A-B test. So, so they wow. don't really guess at all anymore. Everything's tested. As a result, cool. booking.com is pretty, it's pretty annoying. 
you know, and um, you can see that they, they're using those principles of social proof, like someone in Florida just booked this hotel room now. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so that's, so that's trying to get me to, to understand, well, this is a good deal. Other people yeah. are doing it exactly. and also invoke scarcity. Like maybe there's not going to be many hotel rooms around. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I find that really just that, that in my work, I'm better off focusing on, actually just trying to understand what user need, user needs aren't being properly met by the website. And then just, you know, because most websites are so bad, you know, right. if we can just sit down and really talk to the users and try and understand what they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. Then we can gain some insight and then turn that into some experiments. We can really validate at scale um, if those changes work. That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all messaging. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you want to make sure you're answering the questions that someone's going to you know, try to educate themselves on mm -hmm. the right information. Is social proof a big, um, one of those kind of checklist things that, that maybe you, you use in your work? Uh, some of these things like booking.com did. I mean, I know there's a bunch of other tactics for social proof, but is that one of the big things that are being tested against? I think often, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's not something that I look at a lot because as I say, I'm not sort of dealing in that world of, of a lot of persuasion. I know that there are people that certainly operate in very competitive um, e-commerce markets. If they're selling, you know, supplements or something like that, they've, they've really, really got to work to, to get an mm -hmm. edge on their, on their peers. My work is typically working with um, sort of large corporations, which have, have already sort of got an established, place in the market i suppose mm -hmm. and a lot of traffic and we're really just trying to make their website either less terrible or mm -hmm. more delightful you know depending on where where we are so so oftentimes as well people that are very brand marketing focused might try to shy away from from some of those techniques mm -hmm. um because they can look a little bit heavy-handed sometimes but um very much depends I got a question. Um, without saying any client names, of course, could you give us like, some examples of, you know, some of the success stories that you've had in terms of, you know, this is where they started yeah. and this is where we got them from making these changes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's all sorts, um, you know, I could probably talk you through just a handful of, of yeah, some of like, the, some of the really surprising things that have led to really large impacts, you know, mm. sometimes it is just the smallest thing. It's rare. These are the things that I have a bit of a kind of a bit of beef with the A-B testing industry because people do tend to sensationalize the small tests that got the really big results. And the right. reason for that, of course, is they're the good stories, but they <laughs> yeah. do set expectations really high. So I'll caveat that by saying that, that these examples are very, very rare, um, mm. but they, they certainly do happen. So one example um, I had recently was working with a, uh, a, a retailer in Australia. And Australia has for a long time been largely un-Amazonized, essentially. You right. know, we have Amazon here now. It's growing steadily. Um, but most Australian retailers are not, have not been uh, alert to the threat of Amazon. Um, in large part, you know, there's a bit of a duopoly here in Australia. There's um, two really big companies that control a huge amount of, of retail spending. So I think okay. between them, they've, they've felt pretty comfortable with having things fended off. But, but as a result of that, Australian e-commerce retailers have been very slow to offer free shipping. Um, and particularly for things that are, um, you know, larger items. 
And one of my clients was struggling recently with, you know, with this, they weren't offering free shipping. They're a low cost retailer and really felt like, um, uh, it's, it's, you know, a bit like Ikea, you know, when you go to Ikea, you know, you've got to go through the warehouse, you've got to pick up the thing yourself, you've got to assemble it yourself. And that's why their prices are really low. And, and, that's the thing that my client was, was sort of struggling with here um, is that there just wasn't room to like build it into the prices mm-hmm. and also because they sell a lot in stores. So we struggled a lot with this idea of, of how do we actually get around this issue? Because it was provide, it was just proving right. to be an enormous challenge um, in terms of how they communicate to customers around the cost of shipping. Because that's the great thing that free shipping solves as well. If you say spend over 50 bucks, it's free. People realize they don't have to think about it again. But mm-hmm. if you've got intelligent shipping rates for if you're sending trampolines and sofas right. and all sorts of other stuff um, and the rates for those are calculated based on the item, it's really confusing. Yeah, um, totally. And so we did a lot of research into trying to work out how we could sort of smooth this out for customers. Um, and, you know, we talked about, we talked in very direct ways about, um, about prices and shipping and so on in the way that the, in that sort of Ikea type way, you know, talked about the fact that that's part of the offering right. in a way that they wouldn't have been bold enough to do um, when, you know, when talking in conventional media to customers, it was, it was felt for them to be sort of quite daring to be talking to customers in this way, which is one of the great benefits of A-B mm. testing. You know, you can de-risk right. everything and, and measure the impacts. But ultimately, where we got to with this was the most simple thing um, we discovered through, through user research, which is um, at that stage with me sitting down in the um, sort of outdoor furniture department of one of their stores with a stack of $20 gift cards with a laptop kind of saying, hey, can I talk to you about this? Um, and getting people to go through the process of buying something and interviewing them about the things that, that came up. And what we found was that when people were trying to understand what it would cost to ship them the sofa or whatever it was, they would get to this page uh, you know, within the product detail page where it says, um, you know, click here for more details about postage and how postage is calculated. And it just it went off to this website on uh, the Australia Post website with this insanely complicated diagram that talked about how <laughs> cubic volume was calculated. Yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of technically a correct answer. Like if you had a really good grasp on you go and it's X and yeah. Y and whatever yeah. you could kind of get there. And probably what happened is, you know, in many years ago, some developer had probably just put in that link and no one had really thought about it. Right. But for customers, so confusing. Totally. And we found that it was really blocking them from getting to the cart. So what we did in the end, we tried a bunch of things, but the solution we found was we just changed from having that link, which was technically correct, mm-hmm. uh, to just saying, something to your bag and then you'll see what it costs and we got something like a 15 percent conversion uplift for these guys which is millions and millions of dollars wow yeah that's cool that's cool that's really cool i think it also speaks to just just the the user experience as well and some of the things to do around testing a b testing user experience and it sounds like that's right up your alley cool well i i had a question my last thing before we wrap up with kind of how we leave the audience if there was a couple of takeaways that um, our audience can take to kind of just get going with right. split testing, what are some things that you would leave them with? 
Yeah, I'd say a couple of things. One is unless you have huge amounts of traffic, just don't bother. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you need to have a lot of traffic to be able to take any statistically significant right. inferences yep. from your results. I wrote a blog post um, which is called you probably don't need A-B testing because to tr just sort of save myself the conversation because I'd have a lot of like new business conversations and it would just become apparent that mm -hmm. there were better, more productive ways for people to focus their energy, which mm -hmm. is user research, um, yeah. which can be as simple as, you know, as I did sitting down, if you have a storefront or you have a way to get in touch with, with customers, just mm -hmm. sit down and talk to them and offer them a small inducement and try and understand what those blockers and barriers are because the issue is you know i want to say nine out of ten but it's it's almost 10 out of 10 websites yep. are built without anybody really considering the people that are going to use them right. you know there's there's that old saying like you Very can't true. read the label if you're inside the jar mm -hmm. and websites are being commissioned by people that are inside a jar they're bringing in a, a design agency or someone mm -hmm. into the jar with them they're telling them Here's what we want on our website. And then they build it. It goes out into the world. And almost always, it's never seen by someone who's actually going to be using it. And the minute that you sit down with those people and you talk about it, you, you understand that everything just misses the mark. You know, yeah. uh, the littlest things that you don't understand because you have the curse of knowledge within your business uh, can have such profound impacts. So I guess I'd, if I leave your listeners with anything, it's just sit down and talk to users because you'll learn so much. Yeah, powerful 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 so how much traffic would that be <clears throat> that like, was when, when is it really like like okay let's start testing I, in this general right like hundred thousand five hundred thousand people a month million i mean like yeah i mean really depends it depends on how many tests you want to run as well i would say look um yeah, hundred thousand a month is probably a good place to start. Yeah, but again, it depends as to like what we we're talking about before with with paid media. It depends sure. on your baseline conversion rate and the mm -hmm. minimum detectable effect. So it might be that if you've got less traffic than that, but a um, you know a, a website is really bad, if you make a small change, yeah. you could be able to measure it more effectively. So. You can get a sense as to, to how this works. If you just Google for um, A-B test planning calculators, there's lots of them out okay. there. Oh, cool. You can just punch in how much traffic you get, your conversion rates, and it'll tell you. It'll say, you'll need to run this test for 62 years to achieve significance. <laughs> and you go, all right, well, let's try something else, and maybe it's yeah. two weeks or three months or whatever. So you can, you can find something that will be palatable to you. Nice. Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. If people want you know, more information about your services or maybe to follow you, where would that be? Yeah, my website, it's uh, oliverpalmer.com, P-A-L-M-E-R. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know we're walking away with some great nuggets. Absolutely. Our, 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 our audience as well, as, well. as well. So we look forward to having you again someday. Lovely. Thank you very much, Kyle and Eli. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Hey, thank you, Oliver. And if you haven't yet... <clears throat> If you haven't yet subscribed to uh, the Biz Bros podcast, make sure to do that. Just go check it out. Type in bizbros.io, go to our website, or wherever you listen to podcasts, just go and type in bizbros. We'll be there. Check it out, subscribe, and we look forward to talking to you on the next Biz Bros podcast. See you guys.